you know, let, let that go. But now I don't care. I, if he can catch it, go. Satisfied with the effort? We just got smashed. Like, what are we talking about here, guys? I got 1% milk and I got a bag of Chippewa cookies. That's my go-to. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Uh, side note, what terrible deal with a demon did Mike Tomlin make to never be below 500? <laughs> He's not, really good. It's, it's not even like a good deal because like they're not good. They're just not below 500. <laughs> but, okay, so this is... And I've probably talked a little too much in the last like 20 minutes already, but genuinely what they do, they find linebackers in the second and third round. Who's literally all they asked them to do was go sideline to sideline. And then they find wide receivers who are just like, where'd you get, where'd they get him? Poughkeepsie state. We didn't even draft him 500 yards. We're doing great. I, I don't understand what, how that man does it, but he's consistently the only coach that I'd be like, first round pick, I'll get him. I don't think I want to watch them play. We talked about the Patriots and Dolphins and right. I want to watch the Patriots play. I don't think I want to watch the Steelers no. play, but I do kind of want them to make the playoffs just because Mike Tomlin can be like, yeah, what do you mean? You couldn't go to the playoffs <laughs> with Kenny Pickett at quarterback? I did. Like, what? You had a perfectly good Derek Carr right. sitting there. What's, yeah. what's what your happened? problem? I, it's just, you look at it and say, how the hell did he get in the playoffs? Okay, all right, he did it again. All right, let's give out some grades. Grainy's grades. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that be considered a rational thought. Grainy's grades. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grainy's grades. God damn it, I hate Jack Paddock! First topic to grade is Jarrett Stidham. A minus asterisk. A minus asterisk. I think the A minus goes to his play. I think you have to put the minus in there. I know there are different things that went into two picks, but he did throw the two picks. Um, and we're going to talk about one of them coming up here with Colton Miller. Uh, the asterisk is given how Derek Carr played this year, why wasn't this move made before? <laughs> why wasn't this guy the quarterback before? It's not like Derek Carr was lighting it up this year. He was 26th in quarterback uh, rating. Are they the a, worst? Are they a playoff team if? Garrett Stidham's the quarterback. Uh, they are six and ten. I think they're basically eight and eight at the at the worst. Oh man, look at you! Yeah, I'm a Jared believer. Stidham. I'm a believer. What do you think? Uh, they a I, playoff team? No, I do not believe in Jared Stidham. Does Jared Stidham win at least one or two of those close games? They had like ten of them. Uh, he probably does, and they also probably lose one or two of those close games that they've won. They won. Two, three games on walk. Their last three wins have been on walk-offs. The Patriots, the Broncos, and um, the Jacobs run against Seattle in overtime. Like, they've won close games, too. So it's not like they've lost every single close game. You can't game see eight and eight? They you think they'd be six and ten? They probably don't have the 17 and the 10-point leads if Jarrett Stidham is the quarterback in a lot of those. All, a lot of the games they've blown, they probably don't even have the leads to start with to blow them. They just get blown out Asterisk. for the entire game. I will say this. Asterisk. 
they score a point against the Saints if Jarrett Sidham was the starting quarterback. A. So I'll give, but Jarrett Sidham gets an A+. Plus. plus. Mainly because he gave us content. <laughs> That's the only reason why we got to talk about him. Because he, he played extremely <laughs> well. And we got yes. to come in here and be like, wait a minute, Jarrett Stidham was better than Derek Carr? Even if it was for one week, excellent job. All right, next topic to grade. Uh, unfortunately, Danny is not in here for this one. Brock Purdy. 37 points. A. A. You whispering for? I'm whispering. Um, he's what played five games. Danny wants him as the uh, what NFC Rookie of the Year. He does. after five games. Yes. I still don't think he's going to win that. I thought he was. I thought he was good. I tell you what, though, like I told you guys before, I had never watched him live, but I am have a huge, huge uh, amount of respect for Christian McCaffrey because he's doing that with Brock Purdy. Because he's doing it with Brock Purdy. So the truth. Here's Purdy's stat line. He completed 63% of his passes, 284 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Um, He was fine. I'm giving him a C. C. Undergrad. I was not that impressed by him. Really? Like, how many plays did Brock Purdy make? You're like, oh, Brock Purdy made that play. Um... He made some. I mean, I think he made some throws that were good throws across the middle and down the seam and, you know, that led to... to Getting them deep into territory. I mean, Christian McCaffrey was the guy. If he's if he's on these grades, he gets the A plus plus. He's perfectly fine as a quarterback, but it's the, there wasn't any part of that game where I was like, oh yeah, Brock Purdy did something extremely well, and that's the reason that uh. the the Forty ers are good. I'm just not manage the game. All right, next one, Colton Miller. Oh, felt bad for him. <laughs> I'm gonna be nice and go B. B. I don't think they allowed a sack, even though that had a lot to do with Stidham. But on the game's, you know, most important play for the Raiders, Nick Bosa threw him in from Henderson to Summerlin and uh, right into his quarterback and uh, bull rushed him into him. And then uh, I think Stidham saw the replay. He hit his shoulder pad on the follow through. Yes. It wasn't his helmet. He hit his, he hit his shoulder pad on the follow through. Um, so then the ball fluttered and it was picked off and returned 53 yards to the seven yard line. So, given his emotions after the game, kind of felt bad for him, took responsibility, cried. Oh, was I, he really? I Jesus. got I, I got to give a B. I kind of feel bad. B. Last, last guy who cried post-game isn't on the team anymore. Uh, Colton Miller. But he first played better after crying. <laughs> he did. Uh, Colton Miller, I'm giving an F. Oh, man. F. Oh, how can you do that? So, he didn't even actually have a bad game. No, the, um, I don't think the line gave up a sack. And for the season, his his PFF grade, he's the seventh best tackle in the league out of 80 that have been graded. He's still been a good left tackle for the Raiders. But here's the problem. You got a backup quarterback playing and an offensive line that is uh, a bunch of guys rotating yeah. in and out throughout the course of the season. 26 that, rotation. That isn't exactly that good. The one constant was supposed to be Colton Miller. And even though he didn't have a bad game overall, and even though he's having a good season, you can't get beat in that situation that badly. You can't get pushed back into your quarterback and hit your own quarterback that leads to an interception. It just it just can't happen. Like You can't be the guy and lose that matchup to Bosa mm-hmm. that badly. Too nice a guy. You are too nice of too a guy. Too nice a guy. And listen, Colton Miller's good. Colton Miller's going to be good next season. He's, there's no issue with Colton Miller on this team, but you just can't lose that situation that badly.
play well, but you have that one mistake and in that moment, and that's a problem because he's supposed to be the constant. If that was anybody else on the O-line, Jermaine Illuminor or something that had that good of a game and then had the one mistake, you'd be okay with it because you're like, oh, we kind of expect that. But you kind of expect Colt Noe to be perfect and because that's the roster construction, and he wasn't. All right, next one to grade, Daniel Carlson. Oh, I'm going to be a nice guy again. Well, I think this is deserved. I'm going to say A again. A. 57 yarder 57. ties ties his career long like it was nothing. Yeah, I think that was going to be good indoors from... out of the elements. <laughs> I think that was going to be good from 67. He that was amazing. That Perfect right down the yeah. middle and cleared the uprights. Again, probably was good for another 10 yards yeah. or so. He's incredible. Like they've got the kicker and the punter. I don't know if that really means a whole lot, but they've got the kicker and the punter solved. That's not an issue yeah, for at least you, two John more years. John Gruden. Right. For two more years, that is not an issue. But, like, damn, they're both good. They're both really they're good. They're both good. So he gets an A-plus for me as well. A-plus. Next topic, Robbie Gould. F. He could have ended this thing. He could have ended this thing. He knocked on OT. The worst. He could have ended this thing. And it was it was a chip shot, right? Yeah, it was uh, 40 yards, 40 I think yards it was. or something like that. Yeah, 42, 41. 41 yards. 41 yarder. Could have ended it. Yes. Instead of going to OT, um, they got him all the way down there. Like, And I think they took over with one something left. Oh, yeah. And uh, our guy, Brock Purdy, 111. Moved him down. 111. And they they actually got to the uh, got in the field goal range with 27 seconds yes. left. So here's the real answer 49ers, Shanahan. He gets an F. Hmm. F. They got to the Raiders 34 yard line. Excuse me, the Raiders 23 yard line with 27 seconds to play. Ran the clock down. He ran it down to two seconds to play for a 41 yard field goal. Then they get the interception in mm. overtime. Return to the seven yard line. They lose two yards on the play and to kick a field goal. He played for a field goal twice when they could have kept trying to score a touchdown to and, win and, games. Yeah, and when the, you have Brock Purdy, you got to put the pedal to the metal. Well, when you have Robbie well, Gold missing forty-one yarders, or give you twenty-seven the seconds left in a timeout, you have one. Yeah. more we have one more run for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, get closer get than closer forty-one to, yards. To forty-one yards. Stop playing for field goals. All right, next topic: Devontae Adams. I mean, loses his best friend. <laughs> it's an emotional week for Devontae. Meets his new one. It's an emotional week for Devontae, and to come through, beating Tim Brown's record for. Uh, uh, receiving yards in a in a for franchise history in a season. I think he broke some other records. He's an A plus. A plus. Do you believe Devontae Adams had an epiphany? <laughs> an epiphany of I don't need to play with Derek Carr. Why did I ever want to do that in the first place? I don't know. Devontae's wife had a Derek Carr shirt on. Did she really? I, I'm I did not see, but I was told by three media members. Yikes. So, Devontae Adams uh, scored two touchdowns in that game. How did he do that? His quarterback threw a jump ball up to him in which he was not open. His quarterback trusted him to go get the ball, and he did. Great play by Devontae Adams. And if he didn't, it would sail out of bounds. And then the second touchdown, his quarterback scrambled, extended the play, and allowed Devontae Adams to find an opening, which, by the way, was just running down the field. I was like, yeah, let him go. And he... Caught the pass, ran it in for six. He scored two touchdowns in that game that I don't think he scores if Derek Carr's the quarterback. He should have the epiphany of, oh, I don't want to play with Derek Carr. Do you think the diving catch was a catch? Uh, 
No. Neither do I. No, but there wasn't a good enough angle to overturn it. Like I, it, I don't think it was a catch. Ruling on the me, field stands. Right. If you ask me to just say, did he catch that? Yes or no? I would no. say no. But I don't think there was indisputable uh, indisputable evidence to overturn it. So, like I was, it, I felt like they made the right call to let it stand. But I don't actually think he caught it. Did you? Did it? Did anyone else confirm? I heard that Devontae said that Stidham was bleeding from, like, he had like a lip bleed whenever he ran up to uh, him. I saw that on Twitter. Yes, I saw that on Twitter, but I, I, I didn't I can't know remember who, who said it. I can't remember when, but somebody tweeted something to Stidham had a bloody mouth and he, after a play. I, he, after he threw the touchdown oh, to, to Adams, Adams, Adams was the one when who told drilled? the me- media, yeah, he runs up to me afterwards bleeding, going, you caught it. Yeah, there was somebody tweet. I can't remember who tweeted it. I can't remember the exact scenario, but I think it was after the Adams touchdown where somebody did tweet about Jarrett Stidham having a bloody mouth after that. Would his guy have had a bloody mouth? Nope. He would have thrown it away. Never even got out of the pocket. All right, last one. This is just for you because I wasn't there. Ice Cube. Is it bad I was getting a hot dog at the time? <laughs> do I need to Failure. Do, I need to, do we need to call Cassie Soto yes, and yes, Adam Hill yes. just to get a grade from them on this? Yes. So you missed the entire ice Not cube the entire thing. Okay. No, he was fine. I mean, I'll give an A. He was fine. A. You're getting hot? How was the hot dog? Eh. <laughs> C. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one right there. Coming up next, <laughs> it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Son, I didn't understand a word you just said. Bischoff's Briefs. Hey, thanks. That is not a compliment. Ah, I disagree. Bischoff's Briefs. Okay, well, that was just a list of complete nonsense, but you're not totally wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. Coming up in 20 minutes, we got Golden Knights tickets to give away. Also, in about 10 minutes, we talk to Ryan Wallace after the Golden Knights beat the Avalanche last night. But Bischoff's briefs today, I'm going to give you predictions for the year 2023 for sports teams here in Vegas. All right. You guys can tell me how bold they are or not. The first one, the Raiders will draft TCU quarterback Max Duggan. Oh, overly he, bold. He has, he's already declared for the NFL draft. Um, I don't believe he's projected to be anything more than a day three quarterback. Maybe he ends up getting picked higher than that, but he's certainly not a first round quarterback. Right. Probably won't even be second round. Um, but here's, here's some ideas or as to why. If you factor out sack yardage, because in college football, they count sack yardage against your rushing totals as a quarterback. Max Duggan had 583 rushing yards this season and six rushing touchdowns. That's on top of over 330, uh, 330 I can't talk, 3,300 passing yards and 30 passing touchdowns. I think they're going to like this guy too much. I think they're going to be like, oh, he's got the intangibles. He wins the close games. Look at him make plays with his feet, and they draft Max Duggan. Maybe he's not the starter. Maybe he competes with Jarrett Stidham for the job if they buy into Jarrett Stidham hype here. But I think they draft Max Duggan in the NFL draft this season. Uh, Side note, I think they should probably consider drafting Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback who tore his ACL, uh, because he might have been a first-round pick if he had not torn his ACL. Uh, Give him time to recover and see if he's any good in 2024. I I wouldn't hate that pick if they did that. Would you hate the Max Duggan pick? Uh, depending on what round and depending on what their actual goals for next season are. 
Like if if you told me that they're going to go with Stidham and Max Duggan, and they're like, hey, we're going to play him for 2024. They would never say that. But if that was their goal, I wouldn't hate that at all. If it was, hey, we're drafting Max Duggan and we're trying to win the Super Bowl in 2023, no thank you. And that's why they're probably going to draft Stetson. <laughs> Stetson Bennett. He's already 27. He's older <laughs> than Josh McDaniels. Uh, so there's your Raiders uh, prediction. Golden Knights prediction. They will not make it out of the first round of the playoffs. Oh, really? Um, From the Pacific. Two big questions. Who is actually healthy when they get to the playoffs? We'll see. And how many minutes will Alex Trangelo have played by then? <laughs> the answer might be all of them. 1,566. Right. He, he, for very good reason, he took a break <laughs> during the middle of the season, and it's still like, this guy might lead the league in minutes. I I think there's a good chance their best players are worn down by the end of the postseason. And even like like take Jack Eichel, for example, who's obviously not playing right now. I think there's a chance, let's say Eichel comes back in March or something, that, hey, he hasn't played a whole lot this year because, you know, he was hurt and wasn't even able to play. I still think there might be a level of Bruce Cassidy is playing these guys a ridiculous amount of minutes in the month leading up to the postseason that they're just worn down for that two-month stretch. And they don't get out of the first round of the playoffs. I think it ultimately cost them. Um, your UNLV prediction. This might have. This would have been a bold take a week ago. I don't know if it still is anymore. Uh, UNLV finishes five hundred or worse in Mountain West play. Nine and nine UNLV or worse. Hoops. Um, offense is not good enough. They've actually been pretty bad recently, and their defense is not. It's not San Diego State level good to carry the team like we've seen in the past. San Diego State. Their offense is kind of mediocre, but their defense is one of the 15 best in the country. And because of that, they win the Mountain West. UNLV's defense is not that good. And their offense is pretty mediocre. Um, And the Mountain West is good enough that San Jose State is not a gimme win. Nine, I think, think is the I don't think Boise is. No. Maybe Air Force is, but this is a conference with at least 10 teams, maybe Fresno state sucks. So let's say nine teams that if you don't play well, you're losing. Yeah. So especially on the road, I think, uh, nine games is the most we ceiling out of UNLV this year. I do not think they have enough offensive talent to win more than nine games. So nine and nine or worse in conference play for UNLV basketball. Um, the Las Vegas Aces will be the first WNBA team to win back-to-back titles since 2002. Oh, I don't think that's that bold. To win the title? Nah. They have right. the best player. They have the best coach. They have the best point guard. All right. Uh, so this, I looking this up, the WNBA, the first three seasons of the league were all won by the Houston Comets. All right. And then years four and five, the L.A. Sparks went back-to-back. And since then, nobody has gone back-to-back in the next 20 years. Uh, The Minnesota Lynx managed to win four titles in seven years. Never back-to-back. They won every other year for seven seasons. But here's the Aces. Here's the thing. The Aces have their, their, their starters back from last year, right? They won the WNBA title because they had the best starting lineup, WNBA. They didn't have much depth, but they had the best starting lineup. And I think there's one key here. The front office just has to make one positive move in the offseason to make the bench better. Remember last year, they traded away their 2023 first and second round pick 
for first and second round picks in 2022 and then cut both players cut before, both those before the yeah. season started. Yeah. They threw away their draft assets right. for this offseason. So maybe it'll be difficult. But can they add one single player that's a net positive to come off the bench? And if they do that, they win the title again. So there you go. Aces win the title. Your next one. UNLV football. Oh, uh, I got this. Will lose more games under Barry Odom than they did under Marcus Arroyo last season. They were five and seven. They will be four and eight or worse this year. No. <laughs> the coaching staff uh, appears to look pretty good, but who are the players on this team? Oh, a lot of them, a lot of the good ones left. And have they landed significant players yeah. yet? Uh, obviously, sign, early sign, or late signing day is still a month away, so they've still got plenty of time to bring in some recruits. The transfer portal by no means is closed. They might be adding players in June that make a difference. Uh, but until I actually see something that makes me say, oh, that could be interesting, uh, I don't really expect the team to be better next year. Wide receiver hasn't come out of the portal, right? No, I don't believe so. But um, he hasn't signed anywhere. No, I don't think Kyle Williams has gone anywhere. So I I don't have any reason to think they're going to be better until we actually see something. I mean, the coaching staff should be better, but who are they coaching right, right. now? I don't know. Maybe this roster gets overhauled, but as of now... I don't think they're winning five games next year. I think they're going four and eight or worse because Doug Brumfield thrown to himself. He blocking for himself. I don't know who's on the roster. So we'll see how good the roster is. And then from there uh, might adjust that prediction. And your last one for predictions for Las Vegas sports teams, the aviators lights. FC plays a game and they still exist. I don't know how bold that is. Check. <laughs> I don't know how bold that is. You had more. You had you had bolder ones than that. <laughs> Who's on that team? What, nobody <laughs> knows. Do they exist? Aren't they in the schedule? They're they they're gonna be in the schedule. Yeah, Where they'll exist. Okay. We could field a team. Yeah, I they'll come I, back. I agree. That was my prediction. They yeah, play a game. Back. At least one. At least one game. At least one. We'll see if they make it the whole year. But at least one game. So that there's your uh, predictions. For Las Vegas sports in 2023. I did not have one on the Let's aviators. Let's see, the boldest one of that, I think, was... Well, it had to be the Raider ones because there's so many draftable players. That's the that's the boldest one, the Max Duggan one. Oh, I forgot my key point on the Max Duggan. He wears 15 like Tebow, and Josh McDaniels wanted Tebow. Oh. Oh. Is he slightly uncomfortable with his religiosity? Is that a word? Uh, not that I know of. Well, he does go to TCU, uh, but he's kind of big, white, and wears number fifteen. So I can see. So Josh there's a good chance being like, "Hey, that's Wait, Tim Tebow." If he wanted a Tim Tebow, just have Derek Carr grow some grow a foot and change it. Like he's got the, uh, the number. If he wants Tim Tebow, trade for that Streveler guy with the Jets who just came in and ran the ball <laughs> like forty times. He also wears 15. Danny, you're not on a mic. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. He also wears 15. Coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. Vegas coming ahead. Wah steers it right. A shot from Carrier. They score! On a delayed penalty, the Knights strike. Take a 3-1 lead. Carrier from the right wing circle gets it through. His 11th goal of the season. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now is Ryan Wallace. You can hear him on 
Fox Sports Las Vegas on the VGK Insider Show. Also, pre-post and intermission on Fox Sports Las Vegas for all Golden Knights games. Uh, all right, Ryan, we had uh, Golden Knights, not a very healthy roster. Colorado Avalanche, not a very healthy roster. They play last night. Golden Knights dominate at five on five. Hold on to win it. Did you learn anything? Like, is there any big takeaway from that game last night, given the state of both teams' rosters? I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, you know, you, you want to say, okay, the Golden Knights beat the defending Stanley Cup champions. That bodes well for them. Once you open up the playoffs, you should feel confident over a seven-game series. But I think the fact of the matter is, and you brought it up, both teams are incredibly banged up. You, you don't really know what the Colorado Avalanche are going to be until they get fully healthy. And I'd argue the same thing with the Golden Knights. Over the course of, you know, full health for Vegas in 20 games, they were exceptional. And it's been uh, a struggle just kind of battling through those injuries from, from that point. But I, I think what you're starting to see with Vegas is details and structure in their defensive game. And that's really laying the foundation for what you hope to expect when everyone gets healthy, because if they can dial that in, they're going to be a really hard team to beat. Is this too much of a small sample size, or is Michael Amadio for real? Oh, uh, I think Michael Amadio has proven over the course of his career that if he is playing with good players, he can finish. And that's really what he's doing. Right? Like, he's in a position where he's playing with two really, really good offensive players in a top-six role, and I think that that's what he's best suited for. Is he going to push guys out of the way? Probably not when everyone's healthy, but what you're hoping for is that if you can surround him with some good players and give him enough minutes, he's going to get the chances. He's going to bury those chances. And hopefully when all is said and done, you've got Michael Amadio filling in in a depth scoring role and doing it well. So that depth scoring role, this team gets closer to health. Maybe he plays on the third line. If he's proven he can score when he plays with good players, is there reason to think he can do it if he's not, if he's playing on a third line that doesn't have a Mark Stone with him? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the big question because that's essentially been the career, right? Like, when Michael Amadio is put to a top-six role, he produces. When Michael Amadio is, is more of a, a bottom-six, third-line type player, uh, playing with other bottom-six, third-line type players, uh, the production doesn't come as, as quickly or as, as much as you'd like it to. Now, I still figure that there are different configurations Bruce Cassidy can look at when, when the team gets healthy, or you, could, you, know, you can look at different ways to do it. You, can, you might even just kind of get crazy with it and keep Michael Amadio with, with Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson so long as he's producing and, and finishing off those chances. There is still a skill in being able to fill, fill, uh, finish off those chances, but you know, the fact of the matter is, for Michael Amadio to take the next step in his career, he's going to have to be able to do this no matter what line he's on, whether it's top-line role or whether he's in the bottom six. He's got to bury the chances he gets in a game, and that's really going to be the end of it. Uh, not to make fun, it's not a joke, but will Alex Petrangelo be able to stand up when the playoffs get here? I mean, it's only January 3rd, and these minutes just seem to keep growing for him. Yeah, I, I mean, it's really interesting because it doesn't look like anyone on the defense is going to be coming back anytime soon. Like, maybe Alec Martinez or Daniel Miramanov, but, like, we don't really know what that timeline looks like. I think we're still a ways out on Chase Theodore, and Zach Whitecloud's going to be a minute, too. So I, I don't know that the, the usage for Petrangelo is going to go down exponentially, but, you know, what you're hoping for, I think, is that the, the schedule lightens up a bit here in January and to a degree February. You've also got a bye week and the all-star break. 
So really what you're kind of hoping for is you get a little bit more rest days. Maybe you can throw um, Petrangelo out for a couple of practices just in terms of, of not taxing him in, the, in those settings and really only utilize his, his engine, as, as Bruce Cassidy called it, for the game. I think for Petrangelo, he can eat up minutes. A lot of, you know, a lot of what he does right now with no real other power play options at the moment is, is eat up some power play time. Like Those are easier minutes to accrue. I think Petrangelo is going to be fine. He's a freak. He is an absolute uh, beast of, of an athlete. And I think that, you know, ideally, if you're able to get everybody back sometime mid-February into March, you should be able to lighten the load down the stretch for Petrangelo so that he's fresh for the playoffs. He played two three-minute shifts in the final seven minutes of the game last night. Why yep. does he even need the 50-second break? Just let him play the final seven of the entire game and be good to go. Okay. Like, I, I think <laughs> if you would ask Petrangelo, like, would you do it? Should you do it? Can you do it? Yeah. Okay. Why not? Uh, what do you make of what the penalty kill did last night and what they've been for the entire season? Yeah, a little bit more aggressive and uh, trusting in your, your best players. And that's something that Bruce Cassidy talks about. Right? Like, when you have Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson and Riley Smith and William Carlson, uh, you have to rely on those players in those stretches where you know, you're not necessarily getting the, the type of penalty killing you need. I think it's right at the ship for the Golden Knights. They have been really, really good at, at kind of eliminating good quality chances. And their penalty kill, to me, is turning into one of the best penalty kills in the league. We know what they can do shorthanded. We know the, the type of skill that they have there. But the fact that they are just kind of killing plays and not letting a lot of, of quality looks get to the net is the most important thing. And they're doing it by, by being a bit more aggressive with their, with their forwards and their switches. And, and it's really causing some havoc for other power plays. You surprised they got another winter classic? No, not at all. I, I think I think it's fantastic that they are going to be in the Winter Classic. I, I don't think it's all that surprising when you consider the fact that, you know, for the Golden Knights, right, like this is a team that has known nothing but success, and I think it's a big, big boon for the NHL that the Golden Knights have been so successful. So it's a nice thing to, to kind of showcase them alongside the Seattle Kraken in a game that traditionally does not showcase the Western Conference at all calling them out for the East Coast bias. How uh, how does this game get delayed for eight hours like the one in Lake Tahoe? Uh, I don't think it will. This is, <laughs> There's a, you can't have the roof open and call it the an outdoor game. If the roof's closed, that's just a normal indoor game. Um, how are the goats? Um, they're they are good. Um, they're green. They're big-ish now, and they're, they're a lot of fun to play with. Uh, what are they jumping on the most? Or what are they eating the most? Do the babies try to eat everything, too? Uh, the babies don't, yeah. Like, they're, they're still probably a week or two away from, like, being real interested in, like, grain and, and, and hay and all that. But right now, it's, it's all milk. It's all milk. Okay. All right. All milk for the goats. All right. We look forward to finding out more about the goats in the future, Ryan. We uh, appreciate the goat updates more than we do the Golden Knight updates. That, that makes sense. That yeah. tracks. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Uh, there's Ryan Wallace on the VGK Insider Show. Also, pre-post and intermission for Golden Knights games over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. You say your mom had goats? Yep, she's got goats. Bottom a little trampoline for them to jump on.
Really? Yeah, we've gotten in the past many videos of goats jumping on the trampoline and legitimately anything else that's there. They just jump on it and fall off or whatever they end up doing. If if Tyler had kids, that that would be an adorable thing to show his children. <laughs> My brother has kids and they go over there and they like it. So, yeah, they get to enjoy it plenty. I don't need to have kids to see that. Why would I want my kid? I don't need my kids to enjoy it. Would you let your kids play tackle football? <sighs> I don't know. Are they any good at it? They probably wouldn't be any good at it somehow. <laughs> the kid doesn't play well in his pop words. Like, get out of here. Probably you're not. not. If, we, if there's like some long term investment, like this might pay off in the future. But if you're just now, <laughs> no, probably it, wouldn't be any good. His kids, his. I guess they're not going to happen. If he had had kids, those kids would be the kids with like the ultimate driveway game where they'd be like, yeah, I'm going to shoot the ball in the hoop, but I'm going to do it behind that third mailbox. So if you can make that shot, cool. But if not, you get an H. One problem with your story. There are no mailboxes. Oh, yeah. It's just one one one, big mailbox with all the uh, ones. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, actually, you're right. I don't think I've seen a mailbox. No, no. Last time I saw a mailbox, I was driving my car into one. <laughs> we should probably do the giveaway. You ran over a mailbox here? Not here, no. Okay. But who said only one? <laughs> Two at the same time or different occurrences? Once you pass out behind the wheel. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, we should do the giveaway. I shouldn't have kept asking questions. Golden Knights take on the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, yeah. On Saturday, January 14th, and we've got a pair of tickets for you. 702-364-1100. That is the phone number, 702-364-1100. If you want to go see the Golden Knights take on the Edmonton Oilers, be caller number eight right now at 702-364-1100. Snap to Mahomes, short roll, right, wide open, right side, McKinnon on the angle, right side, touchdown! Mahomes will throw it over the middle, wide open, Blake Bell reaching out, rolling into the end zone, and they're going to give it to him, touchdown! Mahomes looks there, outside throw to McKinnon, touchdown, Kansas City. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to David. He won tickets to go see the Golden Knights and Oilers later this month. Um, Jared, as a Chiefs fan, have the Chiefs been playing well for the last month? No. Okay. God awful. And they're still winning basically every you game. Genuinely, one time, and I've re I re-listened to all of our shows to make notes and stuff. You asked Ed and I who's the best team in the AFC, and he said the Chiefs, and I said the Bengals because I was like, uh, "No, I saw the Chiefs play against the Bengals. The Bengals were much better." Feel like the Chiefs are the best team in the league if they play at their best. I don't know. Have they done that in five weeks? The best part is it's like they're kind of healthy, but it just always feels like, eh, I don't know. I guess we'll just get really far behind and figure it out. Is that the plan? Travis Kelsey <laughs> kept getting hit in the helmet. Like he, not like by the other team, by the ball. There's nothing you can do if Patrick Mahomes throws the ball to your face. Other than catch. Any catch. I'm, I genuinely think you could just get it if he is stuck, stuck in the uh, mask. He started to think after that Super Bowl against Tampa, okay, if these guys won't catch it, I will jam it in there. <laughs> would be a fun touchdown, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be the most Patrick Mahomes touchdown ever. Guys, hands slap close in front of him, ball sticks. Did you guys see the end of the Tulane USC game? Yes. 
He I caught it. I yeah, and there were two calls there at the end. The actual touchdown catch. The ref was standing in perfect position yeah. to make that call and called it incomplete, yeah. despite it never touching the ground. Held never no, was even went on close his leg to touching the ground. So they blew that one. And I have no idea how it wasn't targeting on the play before that. I know that was. And they kept saying, oh, now it's the crown. That helmet went helmet to helmet. So you literally have to have your head built, bent so far that it's the top to the top. That was, he 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 targeted that. Yeah, guy. so in, in the college football rule is different from the NFL rule. In college football, it's targeting if you use any part of your helmet. It's targeting if you use your arm. Like if you if you dove to make a tackle and your arm went directly into the other guy's head. Okay, that was head, targeting then. It's targeting. helmet to helmet. Yes. I've, that's the that's the t- hit they're going to use in the, show. the off season to say, yeah, to this show. is what targeting looks yeah. like. I was stunned they took that away. Also, the end of the TCU-Michigan game, that was also targeting. The final play where they threw the, they threw the flag and then reviewed it for targeting. It the Rebel game. Yeah. So, last play of the game for Michigan, they're not going anywhere. Game's over. But a guy for TCU... Comes in, head down, straight into the Michigan guy's helmet. Again, textbook targeting. They throw the flag. So what would have happened is it would have been 15 yards for Michigan, and they would have had an untimed untimed down. down. I don't know how strong J.J. McCarthy's arm is, but potentially a Hail Mary chance down right. six. They reviewed it and said no targeting. Game's over. Uh, both of them were... Those are targeting. Like, that's the exact hit they're trying to get out of football. And both times they reviewed him and were like, nah, we're good. Well, I saw the TC, I saw the Tulane one and that was targeting. Yeah. I would, in both cases, I was shocked they took away the targeting and let whatever play continue. Or in the Michigan case, the game was over at that point. They're both targeting. I don't know what college refs are doing. They don't know what targeting is. And it's, it's easy in college well, football. If you hit the other guy in the head, it's, by their rule book, it's, it's pretty even much worse if they review it and look at it. Right. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, I don't know if it was in the field or whatever. They're going so fast that he hit him in the shoulder pad, yeah. all that. But throw the flag if it's even close, and then go review the thing. Oh, were you near Adam Hill at any point on Saturday? No, I was at the basketball game. He was at the Golden oh, okay. Knights because he was complaining a lot about the refs screwing Michigan over. You oh, saw? Well, you I mean, saw the? You saw the? Uh... What is he from Buffalo? No. He's from he's from Michigan. You okay. saw the touchdown catch for Adam Michigan that got talk. overturned. No, I like I said I. Oh, I didn't you didn't watch, even see the no, highlight no, of it. Oh, no. guy catches the ball. He's he's at the one falling this is the down. One, this is the one where Twitter blew up on. Right, he's at the one falling down uh, and falls into the end zone on the field. They rule it a touchdown. They go back and look at it and they say, oh, his his I think it was his butt cheek was down before the ball crossed the plane. And it was like, well, he didn't actually have control of the ball at that point. He controlled it like a split second later when he was in the end zone completely. Um, they ruled a touchdown on the field. They took it away. Uh, didn't think they should have taken it away. And then Michigan fumbles on the next right, play. They fumbled on the next play. So it, it cost Michigan a touchdown. And then they lose the game by six. Yeah, Adam Hill wasn't happy about that no. on Twitter. A lot of people weren't. A lot of people on Twitter blew up about that. I was because I wanted TCU to win the game. So <laughs> I was on board with it. <laughs> So this is something just to go a little bit further into what's a touchdown. If you go back and watch like NFL films and they show like what a touchdown is, a guy will literally catch it, 
and then slide on his stomach all the way into the end zone. And they'll be like, that's a touchdown. And it's like his knees were on the ground (laughs) the entire time. Or even it's like early back is like P.O. He would literally catch it, land, throw the ball. And it was just like, oh, yep, that's a touchdown. It's like, what process of the catch was there? Why in college do you have to be touchdown? Or not, excuse me, yeah, not no, you touchdown. Don't, you don't have to be touchdown. Why? I don't is, know. Is there, is, I've heard player safety before in the past. You catch well, it, you're down, and somebody and well, doesn't you blow you up. you get up and someone up. can blow you up or something. Do people get hurt doing that a lot? They, I don't think they get hurt in the NFL a lot. They just get up and start running, and they get tackled. It just feels like that should like be... Like they'd be tackled any other time. It just feels like that should be a rule that, that the college game adapts to match the NFL game. Like, I'm fine with one foot being down in college. Because the players aren't as good, and we want a little bit more offense, a little bit more excitement when you throw a ball to the sideline. But I don't know the play because, like, I guess, hey, the player's down and he gets up and he gets lit up. I guess player safety, okay. But like in that case, the Michigan play, he was never touched. He just fell. Right, he he just was fell falling in. to make the catch, right. and it's like that. That should be a touchdown. And if he stood up, he'd be in the end zone. Right. It's like that should be a touchdown. Like in the NFL, that's a touchdown because he was never touched. He was never touched. I don't know. I just think it's kind of a. A rule that should be they should apply the NFL version to college. Adam, not happy. Oh, probably my. I didn't even I didn't even care about that going in, but that might actually been my favorite part about Michigan losing was just Adam Hill's <laughs> tweets. He just wasn't happy. He wasn't happy when it happened, and then at the end of the game when they're down six, it's like oh, good thing that touchdown getting yeah. called off didn't matter. <laughs> it's great. Loved every second of that. I like when people's teams lose. It's very fun. Especially on controversial calls. Oh, yeah, even better. So when I have no care whatsoever in the outcome, other than I just think TCU's fun, because they better trash talk Georgia the entire week. Yes. I don't know where to get these quotes from, but let's go. Turn the trash talking up as high as possible and just dump on Georgia. They're like, ah, oh, their quarterback is getting medicated. He's like old. Yeah, he's, he's old. Like 65 years old. He can retire soon. Just start ripping them. It'll be fun. Let's go, TCU. That's why I was cheering for you to start with.